0: We're walking through um, Second Peter um, right now. This has been a very big week. I feel like I'm out of words. Um, but, uh, but I feel like that I do have some words to share this morning from uh, the Word of God. Uh, Kyle started this last week. And... Uh, Second Peter is interesting. It's, this, it's a very personal letter um, from Peter to the church, but it's not a comfortable letter. <laughs> and I didn't mean to tie my announcements today together with that, but it's not a comfortable letter because these are Peter's last words and, and he's doing a couple of things. He's saying goodbye, but he's also trying to warn the church because um, some, sometimes there's a lot of things that come against the church. And and he's trying to prepare them for the things that um, come against the church. And there's a lot of different voices that are out there in the world, if you haven't noticed. And there's a lot of voices that claim to have authority in the world. And we've got to decide how to distinguish between all of the authoritative voices that there are in the world. And... um, and so a number of years ago, I, I was walking with a group of high school students um, through the Bible and we did, uh, we did the contents of the maps, the beginning to the end, um, in a Sunday school class. And, and during one of those classes one morning, uh, one of the kids, I, I asked, actually asked them, is, is, hey, what's so important about all this to you? And they kind of asked it back to me after we kind of kicked that around for a little while. And, uh, and I, said to, I said to the students is, is, you have to question an authority. You just have to. We, we, we live in the kind of world where you have to question authority. And interestingly is, is uh, sometime that afternoon, I got a call from a parent. <laughs> and, uh, and Fred said, I, I hear that you told my son that he has to question authority. And it took, it, it took a minute for things to register because I'm like, okay, what is he talking about? And when did I say that? And, and he, he said, in Sunday school today, you said that it's a good thing that he questions authority. And so I'm trying to find the words and how I stated that. And, and, and it's coming back to me and I'm feeling the pressure and I'm, I'm feeling the heat and the fire. And, uh, and I said, yeah, I, I did say something like that. And he said, oh, good. My son's using that against me right now. And I said, um, Fred, let, let me explain. He said, that would be a good idea. <laughs> I did say that. Because these young people have all kinds of voices in their lives. And all of us really do. And we've got to decide which voices to listen to and which ones to filter out. Because everyone is claiming to be an authority today. And... and that's part of what makes life so confusing. And so for, for you young people, but also for us older people, is is uh, we are receiving information like we have never received it in history before. Now in all of history, there, there's been authoritative voices, but now you can, you can pull up Google News and you can, you can see hundreds of articles going down the page. There's, there's this, this never-ending access to authoritative voices that are claiming to know. Which is actually bringing a lot of confusion because everyone claims that they have the right knowledge. And we've got to try to filter that out. And so, and my conversation with Fred is, is just kind of getting back to that is, is I said, yeah, I did tell your son to question authority but the context was is is there's all of these different voices and they've got to decide and he said hey brian i need to go have a chat with my son um could we meet together sometime next week in fact would you meet with me and my son and i'm like oh great (laughs) sure um and and we did meet together later that week and um and it, it was a it was a great talk and we had fun with it and um And, uh, and that kid, I still have a close relationship with that kid and the father and, uh, and, and, um, the son was kind of using my words to his advantage a little bit, um, which didn't work out very well for him, (laughs) but, uh, but it, it, it is at the same time is, is that there are authorities that we are to listen to. And, and as believers, we are people under authority. And it's very dangerous for us not to listen to appropriate authority. And so we have all of those. And if we were to walk through scripture and, and look at those authoritative voices, as is, is we believe that, I, I would even say is that those authoritative voices are structured. And so, um, so there, there's children to parents, and and uh, and there's parents to their parents. Is honor thy father and mother, and and there's the authoritative structure of the family, and there's the authoritative structure that's in the community with civil authorities and governing authorities, and all of those are in scripture. And I was thinking about it this week um, of just because of what's going on is, is, hey, what does it look like for us to be responsible in, in submitting to authority, governing authorities? And, and then what's the greater authority to the governing authorities? And, and all I could think of was this, is, is that when, when the disciples were told to stop speaking the name of Jesus... They said, it, it, it's, they said, we, essentially, we will not, is because it's, it's more important for us to, to listen to the voice of God than to listen to the voice of men. And that's the one time that I can think of when, when believers have a responsibility to, to, to say no to governing authorities, is when it comes to sharing the gospel, the good news of who Jesus is and what He's done for us. And that everything else kind of falls by comparison to that one thing. And then Peter, he's going to talk about some other authorities. And so by the time we get to the end of our passage today, um, we're we're going to talk about the authority that, that Peter says that we should really focus in on. And so 2 Peter 1, 12 through 21 I'll go ahead and read it. So I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. I think that it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body, because I know that I will soon put it aside as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. And I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. We did not follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty for he received honor and glory from God, the father, when the voice came to him from the majestic glory saying, this is my son whom I love with him. I am well pleased. We ourselves have heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. And we have the word of the prophets made more certain. And you will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place until the dawn dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. There are three things that Peter emphasizes. Uh, The first thing is the need for reminders. The second one is the faithfulness of witnesses. and, And then the third one is the trustworthiness of Scripture. Now, remember, these are Peter's last words. They're, they're, in a sense, his last will and testament. And last words are really important. If a per- person wants to emphasize something, they can do a number of things. One is, is they can enunciate or expand. Um, so, for instance, we, we got a, a, a pound puppy recently. Um, I was on my way to Billings, um, uh, yeah, we had some homeless people who had their car have problems, and they couldn't get the parts in. And I ran to Billings to get parts for them. And and um, and Kim called me and said, "Hey, would you drop by the pound?" <laughs> no. <laughs> for some reason, my no usually comes out as a yes. Just take a look at this one dog. Really? You want to complicate life? And Kim uh, prays about these things. That's like just not fair. So we got this dog. And I kind of like him. And someday he might kind of like me. And uh, Kim named him Toby, but when she wants to enunciate because he's done something wrong, his name is Tobias. So we can enunciate. Some of you do that with your kids when you just don't say their first name, you say all of their names. Um, When people want to emphasize something, they can also slow down. Maybe even get more quiet and then they can repeat and peter uses repetition repetition he says i want to remind you of these things verse 12 and then he says it's right to refresh your memory verse 13 and then he says my goal is for you to always be able to remember these things verse 15 there's repetition. There's actually another repetition, in there, uh, another repetition in there that you would miss unless you were paying attention or unless you had read that whole chapter. He says, make every effort. And he'd actually said that um, once before. Um, He'd actually said that earlier on when he he says, I I want you to make every effort to add to your faith, goodness into goodness, knowledge into knowledge, self-control. And there's almost this, this stair step of faith. You know, faith is the foundation, but there's stair steps in faith that lead to character. And so in verses 5 through 8, he says, Make every effort to add your faith goodness into goodness, knowledge, into knowledge, self-control, into self-control, perseverance, into perseverance, godliness, into godliness, mutual affection, into mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities, increasing measure, then they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you're going to memorize some verses, those are the ones to memorize. If you put your faith in Jesus and you're wondering, how do I put wheels on this? What do I do with it? Memorize that passage because after you have that foundation of faith, there's some stair steps that will help you grow. And he says, make every effort. And then later, that reputation, repetition, make every effort to remember these things. What right does Peter have to help them remember? And why why is this so important to Peter? Winston Churchill once remarked that the, the sign of a great society is the diligence with which it passes down culture from one generation to the next. He said, when one generation no longer esteems its own heritage and fails to pass the torch to its children... It is saying in essence that the very foundational principles and experiences that make a society what it is is no longer valid. What what he's saying is, is that there's this responsibility to help the next generation to remember. It's his responsibility. Peter is saying it's my responsibility to remember the foundations, to remember the heritage and to pass it on. And what both Winston Churchill um, and Peter are talking about is the importance of remembering and passing on. And here's the way that I would say it. It's important to remember the important. Because if you lose the important, the only thing left is the trivial. So remember. Remember faithful witnesses help us do that. Remember that Peter is one of the eyewitnesses of the ministry of Jesus. He was there with Jesus. Most of his hearers had never met Jesus. His readers and hearers were just like you and I. We didn't have that experience of being with Jesus and walking with Jesus and and seeing Jesus. Jesus. We have heard what we have heard from Scripture and from others who share the good news. Peter emphasizes his role as one of the faithful witnesses of the life and the work of Jesus. In in, in the words of his fellow disciple John, here's what John says in 1 John. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard. Now, catch all of the different senses here. Which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes which we have looked at and our hands have touched. This we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it and testify to it, and we proclaim to you eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. And what John is saying is, is he's helping his readers to understand because there are people, there are false teachers out there. There's air that's out there and there's all kinds of people that are trying to pull the the members of the church, the true church away from Jesus. And he's saying is, is, don't let that happen because we have heard, we've seen, we've seen it with our physical eyes, but that next word, when he says it seen again, it actually means we have perceived with our senses we, we proclaim it to you because we have experienced it and you can trust us because we're eyewitnesses. And we have this fellowship with the Father and with the Son. And we want to invite you into that fellowship and you experience that fellowship when you, when you know that, that what we say is true. And so these are the eyewitnesses. In Acts 1.8, Jesus said to his disciples, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And Peter is writing, he's writing these words, not from Jerusalem, not from Judea, not from Samaria. He's writing these words from the more distant edges of the culture of that day as he's preparing to go to his death. And what did Peter witness? Well, obviously, the answer is Jesus' life and ministry, but also his death and resurrection. And Peter highlights one instance of particular importance. He highlights what we refer to as the transfiguration of Jesus. And so in Mark 9, verses 2 through 7, it says, After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up to a high mountain where they were all alone. And there Jesus was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses who were talking with Jesus. Can you imagine something like that? And Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it's good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Because he didn't know what to say. So he's just babbling. And they were so frightened. It says, then a cloud appeared and covered them and a voice came from the cloud. This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. And it's interesting because after the transfiguration, he, he gives his authority to his disciples. He said in essentially I bequeath my authority to you and you are to go everywhere sharing and baptizing and teaching people to obey everything that I've said. Otherwise, this is, this is, this is, the, the, the father gives his authority to the son. You're to listen to him. Jesus gives his authority to these disciples and said, you are to listen to them. And you, you go and you teach and you baptize and teach them to obey everything that I've said. But in this letter, um, Peter refers back to the the transfiguration of Jesus and he and James and John, they'd witnessed this on the mountain and Luke gives us more insight about the transfiguration. Luke tells us that Moses and Elijah, these towers of the Old Testament, were speaking to Jesus about Jesus's departure. In Luke 9, 30 and 31, it says, two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor talking with Jesus and they spoke about his departure which he was about to bring to the fulfillment of Jerusalem. And we miss this because we're reading this in English, but here's the interesting tie to Peter and to this letter when it comes to tying the transfiguration to this letter and his last words, Peter speaks of his own departure. He says, I want to refresh your memory for as long as I live in this tent. And he refers to his body as a tent. Now, that is a weird way to refer to the body. Unless you're trying to communicate something. And this is the interesting thing is, is the word tent actually means tabernacle. Is, that's the Old Testament word for Tent. And the Feast of the Tabernacles, and I know this is kind of complicated, but the Feast of the Tabernacles or booze was a reminder that when God led the Israelites by his presence into the Sinai desert, they lived in tents and the Lord provided for their every need. And then the Lord provided another tent called the Tabernacle or the Tent of Meeting where the people could come and they could worship and they could meet with God. And it was a portable tabernacle. It was a portable place of worship. Where the people could come before God. And Peter appropriates this exact same word, this word tabernacle, to refer to his body, which is a tent that is temporary, that he's soon to discard. He says, I will put it aside And then he uses another descriptive word, the word departure, to refer to his death. And this word is only used one other place in the New Testament. And it's used in that passage about the transfiguration. And in Luke chapter 9, when we're talking about the transfiguration of Jesus, which Peter witnesses, we're told that two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor talking with Jesus. And they spoke about Jesus' departure. The exact word for departure, departure. In that passage and in Peter is the word Exodus. They were speaking of Jesus' Exodus. And so just as Moses led the people of Israel out of slavery by the Exodus to the promised land, so Jesus is the greater Moses, the greater Savior, the one who leads all of us out of our slavery into the better promise and the better place. And Peter... Peter describes his departure as an exodus. He's not so much dying as he is joining Jesus in exodus. He is embracing the better promise and the better place. He has been a faithful witness. He has done his job and continues to do it in writing to the church. The final word here is on the trustworthiness of scripture. He speaks about the prophetic message, and he's not speaking about a new message, a new word that's been given. He's speaking about the one that's already been spoken through the word of God to all of us. The, the prophetic word is scripture, and, and at that time, it was referring mostly to the Old Testament. But it's been given to us, and the word of God is a more reliable verification of Jesus than even peter's firsthand experience we know that because on the road to Emmaus, we're told that there was two men walking and they were dejected and they were discouraged and they were depressed this is right after the crucifixion and and they were confused because now there's this empty tomb and nothing of that week has made sense and all of a sudden another person appears beside them and he's walking beside them and, and we know that it's Jesus but they don't know that it's Jesus and, and, uh, and uh, Jesus says, hey, why are you guys so down? And they're like, what have you been, living in a hole? Where have you been? And then they told Jesus about Jesus and everything that he did and about his arrest and persecution and execution and death and these crazy women because women are crazy. Sorry, I just needed to wake some of you up. Um, and these crazy women who came with this story about the empty tomb. And Jesus is like, wow, that's quite the story. So interesting. And by the way, guys, you're really foolish. I'm sure that they were like, what? Luke 24, 25 through 27, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter into glory and beginning with Moses and all of the prophets, he explained to them what was said about all of the scriptures concerning himself and Paul. um, Peter is writing. We also have the prophetic messages, something completely reliable and you do well to pay attention to it as a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. And, and, And Peter's saying is, is that it's the appropriate attitude of the believer to embrace the prophetic word of God that we now have and that we carry with us. And it's the most authoritative voice that we can listen to. And so we should pay attention to it. And if we don't pay attention to it, then it's to our own detriment. Charles Spurgeon wrote, and and he's quoting scripture with the first line is, is thy word is a lamp unto my feet. We are walkers through the city of this world and we're often called to go out into its darkness. Let us never venture there without the light giving word, lest we slip with our feet. Each man should use the word of God personally and practically and habitually that he may see his way and see what lies in it. When darkness settles upon all around me, The word of the Lord, like a flaming torch, reveals my way. Then he says, one of the most practical benefits of the holy word is the guidance in the everyday acts of life. It is not sent to astound us with its brilliance, but to guide us by its instruction. It is the true head that needs illumination, but even more so, the feet needing direction, else the head and the feet may fall into a ditch. And so it guides our head, but also our feet so that we don't fall into the ditch. Happy is the person who personally appropriates God's word and practically uses it as his comfort and counselor, as a lamp to his own feet. And part of the reason why the church is so wayward today is because we're not paying attention to the word of God. In fact, we often listen to more sermons than we do to the Bible itself. And I love preaching, but I love the word of God more. And a lot of preaching is just nice words these days. And we're called to come to the word because in it, we find our savior who stepped out of heaven for every one of us. And we find the word of salvation. And we find that someday this tent that we have will be discarded, but it's just a tent and that we will go on that final exodus that Jesus has already led. And that we get to go from the sin and the bondage and the brokenness of the slavery of this world into the total freedom that's available to us in Christ Jesus when we get to be with the Father. I want to invite the worship team to come. We'll close in worship even though we're over time. Would you stand with me and we'll pray and we'll sing. If you haven't put your faith in Jesus, I want to encourage you to do that even as we're singing. just say, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Jesus, for salvation. Father and Lord God, help us to remember. Help us to daily, you know, just lean into the words of the first witnesses, but Lord, help us to love your word, the Bible, and to daily have it be a lamp for our feet, a light for our path. In the name of Jesus, amen. Let's worship.
1: I count on one thing. The same God that never fails will not fail me now. You fail me now in the waiting. The same God who's never late is working all things out, working all things out. Oh, yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will bless your name. Oh, yes, I will sing for joy when my heart is heavy. I will I count on one thing The same God that never fails Will not fail me now You won't fail me now In the waiting The same God who's never late Is working all things out Working all things out Oh yes, I will Lift you high In the lowest valley Yes, I will Bless your name Oh yes, I will Sing for joy When my heart is heavy On my face Yes, I will I choose to pray Glorify, glorify the name of all names Nothing can stand against I choose to praise Glorify, glorify the name of all names Nothing can stand against Oh yes, I will Lift you high in the lowest valley Yes, I will Your name Oh yes I will Sing for joy When my heart is heavy
0: Father and Lord God, it is good to be here. And Lord, we're going out into a crazy world. But Lord, may we take your light, which is a lamp unto our feet, and may we take it into a very broken and a dark world. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.